production. In part three of our regional Queensland series, we catch up with two national award-winning business owners from Airlie Beach and Mackay, who are doing big things in their respective industries. It's a slightly troppo episode 569 of the 12-year-old award-winning small business big marketing podcast. And welcome back to your weekly dose of marketing malarkey. I'm your host, Timbo Reed, and I have an insatiable curiosity for uncovering marketing ideas and strategies that help businesses just like yours to grow. You, so much more importantly, are a motivated business owner, and you are ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And guess what? It's exactly what we do around here. So you find yourself in the right place. Well done to you. As per usual, team, there is marketing, G-O-L-D, dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. This week, we hit 390 clicks down the road from Townsville to Mackay, meeting a couple of multi-award-winning regional business founders who have set up businesses and lifestyles they love outside of the big smoke. We'll discover the upside and downside of doing business in regional Australia, plus you'll get all the usual marketing gold you are so very accustomed to, and so you should be. Now, today we meet local legend Craig Percival, who heads up Woolham Constructions, a 138-year-old construction business that's responsible for some of Australia's most iconic buildings, including... Brisbane's Breakfast Creek Hotel. That is an iconic building. But first, let's meet Asher Telford. This guy is a business building and marketing weapon. And I'm going to tell you up front that I'll be getting him and his business partner wife, Julie, back on later this year for a much deeper dive into their marketing approach because it's really quite special. They simply have too much to share in one setting, basically. Asher is the founder of Red Cat Adventures, a charter boat company with four beautiful catamarans on the water based in Ely Beach amongst our world-class Whitsunday Islands. It is such a special part of the world. Now, Red Cat Adventures is 11 years old. It'll turn over $7.5 million this year. He's got 30 staff and is the winner of the best major tourism and travel operator in Australia, not once, but two years running. Such a great business. I started off reminding Asher that he had the best job in the world. I certainly do, yep. My job is to make people's dreams come true and once-in-a-lifetime experiences for a lot of people that come here, uh, especially when we had, you know, more international visitation. People just blown away by the natural beauty, I think, of Australia. And, and I mean, you, when you look at the positives of COVID, um, it's made Australians realise that we have an absolutely outstanding backyard. My question was half facetious, half serious. Do you actually <laughs> go, in your mind, do you actually go to work thinking I'm here to make people's dreams come true? Um, yeah, I think that's why we why I got into this business. You know, the, the positive feedback, especially when you're out on the water, it's, it's obviously the last few years I've spent, as the business has grown, I've spent a lot more time in the office. But still, seeing those reviews come through as opposed to actually being out there on the water 
watching people light up, you know, when, when they're seeing things and being told things and a whale comes up next to the boat, as opposed to that instantaneous um, joy that you get from that feedback. You know, now even sitting in the office and, and getting an email from customers, which we get regularly saying, you know, it was an absolute highlight of our trip or, you know, my kids had talked about nothing else. Oh, I've best. got a mate who's a chiropractor who he's always saying, you know, I'm off to save lives. And you know, again, he sort of says it half jokingly, but I know in his mind, he's absolutely serious. And it's a really interesting way of positioning what you do as opposed yep. to, you know, I'm a chiropractor or I'm an accountant or whatever it is. You find the benefit in it and it's, it's, it makes work, makes life a, a lot more interesting. You and your partner, Julie, both had great jobs before starting Red Cat Adventures, but it was tearing you apart. Tell us about that moment in time. Yeah, well, she was uh, she was in advertising. She was state manager for a South Australia and Northern Territory advertising company. We met here in the Wood Sundays, but um, we moved back to Adelaide because that's where I was originally from. Uh, we had a, a good um, friend base there, and I had a job with uh, Border Force out on the, on the boats. Both really well paid, both really solid jobs, um, both doing well at our jobs. But um, it, it wasn't great relationship wise. You know, we didn't see each other. I was away six months of the year at sea. Um, with very little communications a lot of the time because some of the stuff we were doing, um, you know, we weren't allowed to communicate what we were doing to our partner. And then um, her being in that advertising scene, when I would come home, uh, you know, she'd be booked every night (laughs) and I wasn't invited. (laughs) So... That's so um, that doesn't make for a great relationship. <laughs> it certainly does not. No. So, so where did the idea? How, how did Red Cat Adventures find its way to market? Well, um, but when we left the Witch Sundays, uh, a friend and I actually were trying to buy one of the boats that that I was being the skipper on, uh, the last boat that I was a skipper on when we left. And we talked about it. We threw some ideas around, and we threw some pricing around with with the current owners of that vessel, Tongara. And um, funny enough, uh, five years later, they're at our wedding, at my wife and I's wedding in Bali. We'd all flown into Bali, 70 of us from England and Australia, my wife being English. And um, we were having dinner with them. And they said, you know what? And we were saying, look at these great jobs, but it's not really the best relationship base. You know, these two jobs where we're both really out all the time and, and don't have a lot of time together. And they said, why don't you just, why don't you just buy that boat off us? We've got a few now and why don't you just do it? And... Um, we all had a bit of a laugh about it at the time, but uh, my wife and I went back home and went back to Adelaide and sat down, and looked at each other, and sort of, sort of just decided that we had we had the skill set to run this exact business. You know, I I knew boats, I loved boats, I loved the sea, yeah, and she loved she had the marketing, and people liked her, whereas I'm grumpy. So um, <laughs> together we made a great team. <laughs> I mean, on paper, yeah. it looks absolutely right. As you say, you know boats. She knows yep. the market. She knows how to get the message out to people. Did it actually eventuate that that was the case? Absolutely, absolutely. So it was really funny on the way up from Adelaide back to the Wit Sundays. Um, we were listening to podcasts and things in the car all the way up, and talking about marketing and you know just talking about you know the, and lots of things. You know what are the most popular brands in the world? Coca Cola, McDonald's, all these sorts of things. And so we focused ourselves. Luckily, the you know the boat we bought was already red, so we decided to really run with that and you know go the opposite to most people and and really embrace that red and yellow and that bright in your face branding where most people. 
Uh, obviously, marine tourism are going for blues and aquas and pretty colours and, you know, we wanted to stand out. This is a, a philosophy that seems to sort of find its way throughout the business. Am I right there? I mean, red and yellow alone look, just looks weird on the Whit Sundays, but clearly it works. You know, they're colours. But having said that, you know, you think about the lifeguards, right? But red and yellow is the good is a great colour because they're the colours that get seen out in the yep. water. So hey, you yep. want something? It's also fast fast food industry's favourite colours, but that's a whole separate yep. thing. But is, is one of your phil- philosophies about running the business, Asher, that you know you don't have to do what everyone else has done, and sometimes going the opposite direction is the best path forward? Absolutely. There's plenty of people. If everyone opened an Indian restaurant next to all the other Indian restaurants um, and all had a purple sign with blue writing, where's the differentiation? And when you look at a brochure rack wall, um, when you walk into a travel agent and every Sunday tour has got a blue background, um, it's just not standing out. So, yeah, we definitely, it was, a, it was a focused philosophy that we had from the start to be read, to be loud, we really appealed to the youth market. Tongara was an 18 to 35s market. Um, so we're really appealing to that young, boom, sort of in-your-face market. And it was really funny because one of our competitors actually tried to in- insult me one day down the marina when they saw our really bright red shirts with a big yellow cap emblazoned across it. They said, oh, oh, we all laugh that you're like the McDonald's of tourism. And I said, if only. <laughs> Thank you very much. I would love to be the McDonald's of tourism. <laughs> Gee whiz. Oh, I mean, some people just don't get it, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give no. a pat on the back, not a slap on the head. <laughs> you say Tongara, which is your first boat, was appealing yep. to the 18 to 35 market. Let's just talk about that for a minute. Do you create experiences or do you do you package up each of the four boats that you have appealing to a particular market at the risk of polarising other markets? Yeah, see, that's, that's that has been a tough one because we were seen, because we started off with that 18 to 35s sort of youth adventure-based um, product, uh, we were seen as a youth adventure product. And so when I decided that we could build a, you know, a better, more efficient day boat, fast day boat, um, as opposed to the sailing boat we had, and make it more comfortable and a better ride and everything like that. Well, our customer base all of a sudden was was families. So it wasn't just that youth adventure. So we had to sort of really convince people and we just through marketing once again, you know, my wife's brilliant with that. And it all it comes down to little things like the, the picture on the cover of your brochure. You know, who who's in that picture? Is there a family in that picture or is it all young people or is is there a sixty year old in that picture? Is there a you know? And so even when you take a picture of your boat or well, it doesn't matter what business you're in, um, you know, that front of that brochure's gotta be inclusive. You know, it's got to, you can't just have a hot 25 year old girl on the front of every brochure like a lot of people do because that does polarize a lot of different people. That's what you're after. About that, but we're not going there, Asher. Tell me, <laughs> another example of this, this laser focused targeting is that you're building a fourth boat uh, and you're going to launch that out of Mackay. So let's just do a little quick geography lesson here for those who don't understand that area. You're currently yep. operating out of Early Beach it's on the Whit Sundays. Mackay's Two hours north, uh, south, south. I should say, <laughs> completely <laughs> different, completely different market. I mean, what do we got? We got miners. It's full of locals. Not a big yeah. tourist destination. No. So, no. Ha- what, what what are you packaging up there, and who are you appealing to? We're really focusing on the locals. The locals have been screaming out for island access for years. 
Um, you know, you go down to Mackay and people don't realise, but it's just absolutely gorgeous off Mackay on a good day. Some of the islands are amazing. But, you know, the boat ramp's got 400 boat trailers all parked illegally getting fines. And what we're really trying to aim for is to provide a family package at the right price that's actually cheaper than having your own boat, uh, washing your own boat, getting a fine at the boat ramp. You know, we're going to have a bar on board. You can have a beer without the water police slapping you with a fine for drink driving on the way back. You know, Dad can have a beer. The kids can play on the beach and Mum can sunbathe. And I guess that's really our focus, you know, um, is to, to bring families out. It sounds, again, on paper, sounds incredibly smart. Do you research it? Do you go up to Mackay, down to Mackay and ask questions? Is it just a gut feeling that you've got that this is going to be a winner? No, um, we actually got approached by Mackay Tourism and Taz said, oh, look, guys, the locals have been asking for years and they're screaming out for product out of Mackay. Um, and so that idea was born and then, um, you know, we sort of ran with it. A lot of research went into it. We went with process wave height data we've talked to old lo- local salt dogs we've talked to past tour operators why didn't it work what happened what happened here what's the optimum boat length for a trip off Mackay according to the wavelengths you know we've put a lot of research into this sort of stuff you know I've got a, a mate with a PhD in hydrodynamics been working on wavelengths and all this sort of stuff so it's crazy but you know I, I I think that, yeah, you know, you've got to get it right. Most people, especially in marine tourism, go and buy a boat that fits the customer need, but they hardly anyone looks at what the local area needs are. You know, what's the difference? in the, Every area is completely different. The three fast boats we've got operating out of here now are amazing for here, and they suit the water here. They suit the tides, the wave height, the wind strength here, but they would be no good off Mackay. They're not. Well, it's a great example. You know, so many businesses think, oh, we're doing well here, therefore we'll just pick up what we're doing here and put it over there without yep. giving any consideration to local conditions. And, and clearly you have. With all that research that you guys do, do you listen to it 100% or you go, that was nice, thanks for your opinion, my gut says this? <laughs> There's definitely a bit of both. Uh, with boats, I've got a bit of a gut feeling because I've spent a lot of time on them. I've spent most of my life on boats, 20-odd years. You know, so, yes, there's a gut feeling. And we were told, even when we designed our current Thundercat boats for here in the Whit Sundays, we were told, oh, it's going to be 11. It's going to be 11 by people who've been in the industry for a long time. And um, I, I, just, I just knew that it wasn't, um, you know. And so I went against what we were being told and I, I went with my gut. And um, the boats perform absolutely amazingly, you know. Um, they provide a super smooth ride while still being fun. Let's talk about a bit more about marketing. It's probably when we need your, your lovely wife here to, you know, give us the real yeah. story. But there's a yeah, couple yeah. of things that you're doing that are really interesting. Your colour selection, we've covered that off. You've got this loyalty club, the Club Red Cat, which has <laughs> a variety of perks attached to it. You know what I'm going I know ask, where this you? is going. <laughs> All right. Well... All right. One of the one of the perks that you get if you join Club Red Cat is that you, Asher, will pay for your new member to go and get a permanent tattoo of yeah. your logo, which is absolute madness. Has anyone taken it up? Um, we've got, I think, nearly sixty people now. Stop it. So, so I know it sounds crazy. So this idea was born. And everyone's like, really? That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. But it was born from the days of when we first had the sailing boat and we were catering a lot to the backpacker market from Europe, 
right? So what these guys do is they go around, they go from hostel to hostel to hostel, and most of them go, they spend a couple of years going all around the world, and they stay in eight-bed dorms. And they sit around, they have chats at night, and they go to a little centralised bar or sit out on the lawn together, and they all drink. And what I noticed when I was driving the boat, our first big catamaran, it was a two-day trip, is they all asked each other about their tattoos. Oh, where'd you get that tattoo and what does that mean and what's the meaning to you? And so one day I just said to one of the passengers, um, you know, you can, I'll, I'll pay for you to get the cat tattoo of our logo if you want. Because I thought, well, everybody who asked that person, that person's now going to travel the world for two years and get asked at least twice a week where this tattoo's from and then they're going to have a fireside story about this amazing trip they went on the week Sundays all because of this tattoo. And so it, was, it cost me like 100 bucks. And I thought, you know what? I reckon that's a lot better marketing than printing a heap of flyers. And um, the idea was sort of born and it just grew and it grew. And um, it's just, yeah, it's just really become a thing. You're actually the second <laughs> business owner in you. I've probably done about 570 interviews that has offered up a tattoo. The other one was a, a female gym in Toronto, Canada, that also offered tattoos for free to yeah. anyone who's, yeah, incredible. <laughs> it does raise the question, what brands would you be happy to have their logo tattooed on your body? But uh, for another day. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, you uh, you have won some really big awards, um, significant awards over the last two or three years, gold awards in you know national tourism awards. You're getting a few things right. Why awards uh, awards important to you, and what uh, does winning them do for business? Absolutely. So awards are um, important for a couple of a couple of reasons, really. Number one is obviously that they promote your brand, and and people take you seriously. But not just people, government, local government, state government and national government uh, take you seriously. It opens doors. Winning awards opens doors. That's probably the first thing. And secondly, the awards process, they're not just coming and looking at your product and going, oh, that's nice. You've got good reviews and you've got a pretty boat. You're, you're the winner. There's a whole process um, and which my wife writes the awards and credit to her the process makes you go right through your business. And some of the questions asked, what's your percentages here? You know, quantify that. How'd you go this year compared to that year? And it's actually a really brilliant exercise. And even if you came dead last and you never won an award, I think entering both, you know, the Queensland and Australian Tourism Awards, for us as a business, even if we'd never won a medal, would have been a great exercise in better knowing our business. I was the uh, I was a judge on the Telstra Business Awards for a couple of years and again I heard that time and time and time again whether we won or not the rigor that we had to go through to answer all yep. these questions often resulted in you know like I never knew that jeez I didn't know that about my business jeez I better do something <laughs> about that and it is, it's a bit of a kick in the bum, isn't it? And and, and yeah. you you fix it, and if you win, it's a bonus. But you know the journey, the, the real win is actually going through the process of entering these awards. You have you've I've I've heard you say previously, Asher, always have survival money put aside. Is that yeah. uh, is that something that uh, you've been bit on the ass a couple of times when you were caught with no money to do something? Or no, actually, it, it's a really good story that one, um, and I'm very grateful. There was a gentleman who owned a restaurant here in town and he had previously owned an aviation company here in town. And um, when you went to his restaurant, uh, he used to quite often come and sit and have a chat to you, you know, for five or ten minutes during your meal. And um, being a a local that had been around a long time, my wife and I had just started the business 
and we went there for dinner. And he sat down and started having a chat to us. And one of his bits of advice, he said, uh, the best advice I can give you is we have big wet seasons here and we've had wet seasons where I couldn't get a plane up for three months straight. So he said, always have survival money. And I think it's probably one of the best bits of business advice that I've ever been given. Always have survival money. So every time we started a new product and we had costs to meet, or you know, we always set aside another bit of money and we never touched that, you know? Even if it was like really tempting sometimes, like, oh, we could buy another boat with that or do something else with that or buy a fancy car or, you know, a bigger house. We always left that money set aside and followed his advice. And, um, you know, number one with the cyclone situation, it really helped us out and definitely with COVID. I mean, we wouldn't be here if we hadn't followed that advice. So kudos to him. What have you done about COVID? Because uh, one of my earlier interviews was with Daniel, the owner of Cairns Aquarium. Clearly, all his international business has disappeared. He's done the old pivot and he's doing night guided tours. He's got three course dinners outside the shark tank and doing all sorts of pretty funky stuff that he's been forced to do in order to keep yeah. the doors open. Has COVID forced you to look at your business in a more lateral way? Yeah, 100%. We've, we've remained very agile. We've done all sorts of things. We've started, uh, the government started doing some grants with, um, you know, reef research and all that sort of stuff. So we started a company, uh, you know, Red Cat Research. And that was one, picked up a lot of things there. The other one is we, we converted our boats very quickly. Um, some of the major airlines stopped flying in and out of Early Beach uh, in the Witch Sundays and a lot of the smaller ones like Alliance and that started coming. Larger ferry companies are a bit slow to react to the changing timetables. Uh, so we adapted our fast boats, put windscreens in them, pulled out a quarter of the seats, put suitcase luggage racks in and started filling in some of those gaps and doing water taxi work around the islands and, and you know, ferry runs, um, smaller boutique ferry runs and meeting those early and late flights. Um, and that, in turn, we also chased after, um, you know, TV production, film production because we were seen as a safe area. And yeah, and, and that's been great for us. It's been really brilliant. We've done some, some really big stuff, um, you know, below deck, down under, uh, House Hunters International. And uh, we've got some other stuff in the pipeline as well. But All a result of, of COVID, which could have been, you know, yeah. it could have gone either way. Yeah, we could, well, we could have given up and stuck our head under the pillow and cried. But, um, you know... We love a fight. <laughs> hey, Ash, great to chat, buddy. Redcatadventures.com.au is where you'll find Ash and the team. Check the boats out. Have a look what he's up to. It's pretty exciting stuff. And if you get a tattoo, please let me know because uh, <laughs> still find it extraordinary. Be the 61st. Thank you, Asher. Thank you very much for your time. There you go, team. Red Cat Adventures, Asher Telford. I hosted a panel discussion with Asher this week and had dinner with him and his wife, Julie, and boy, oh boy, do they have some additional G-O-L-D to share. What wasn't there to like about that chat? Specifically, I love Ash's mindset around being there to make customers' dreams come true. I do something similar, where I have this underlying intention that this podcast exists to help you grow that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. 
It's like being in service, as recent past guest Erica Kramer, who she called herself the Queen of Confidence, spent time explaining to us in episode 564. And I've got to tell you, it makes life a whole lot more rewarding when you are in service to your customers. I also love how Asher builds products and services to suit specific markets, and that he doesn't try to be everything to everyone. And I love his take on being different in order to stand out. He's a break-the-rules kind of business owner and marketer. We're talking red and yellow boats on the turquoise waters. That'd look unusual, but it stands out. Free and permanent tattoos for loyalty club members. Genius. Hey, what grabbed your attention? Do let me know by calling the Small Business Big Marketing Hotline on 0480 015 150. Okay, team, let's go meet our next Mackay business owner in Craig Percival, who heads up a family construction business that started way back in 1883. This could potentially be the oldest business I've had on this podcast in the 12 years that I've been doing it. Back in 1883, Woolham Constructions built homes and pubs. Now they build airports, hospitals, and other large public infrastructure projects. Just goes to prove, team. Every single business starts small. So you might be small right now, but you could be really big one day, especially if you keep listening to this podcast. Now, given the size of the business Craig runs, turning over $250 million this year with 200 staff and seven offices, I've got to tell you, Craig is an incredibly humble fellow with pretty strong views around giving back, community involvement, and the importance of growing his people. Let's head over and hear what Craig's got to say. Mostly it's, it's a privilege and it's a, an honour to represent, you know, such a great business. Uh, at times, you know, you definitely feel the weight on your shoulders because of the, the history and, and the length of time that the company has existed for. Woolham's has done some amazing constructions all around Australia. What do you put their success down to? I think that it's a working together approach. That's first and foremost with all of our clients. We're hard workers. The industry is a is a hard one, and and you know it's 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 not a one size fits all. There's not too many times that you build the same thing again. So it's it's just a lot about having the right attitude and a, and a bit of a can do attitude as well. You said to me the other day, an established business like yours has a responsibility to look after the industry. How are you doing that? Yeah, look, it's been tough. Um, yeah, Woolham still is very much a traditional builder and, and we very much want to you know, keep training and, 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 and see the industry, you know, continue. And, and, and you know, I was having a conversation with a, a block layer yesterday and we worked closely with this block layer in one of the regions we work in and said to him, you know, anything we can do to help and it was along the training and, and like his skill set is laying blocks and same with the people that, that he employs and they're all good people, you know, we all know each other well. What, you know, he doesn't like is, you know, the the accounting process, the you know, the, mm-hmm. the training and, and all those sorts of things. So I, I just, again, that working together doesn't necessarily mean just giving, you know, that block layer or any other contract partner, you know, a piece of paper and sort of saying, look, you've got the job. It's like, look, how else can we connect and, and, and work together? You know, how can we help you, you know, with the training? And, and so, yeah, I think it's just thinking outside the square a little bit, you know, how can we work together to, you know, look at training and ensuring all of our futures. It's a really interesting challenge that you have. Now, you know, Woolham's 138 years old. Uh, I imagine a very conservative company. 
and a company that has done things in a certain way and that way has proved very successful for you. But the world is changing. Robotics, um, artificial intelligence, whatever else is coming your way, it is coming. Do you as a business owner or, or someone in the business sort of keep ahead of those trends or sort of tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, Craig, I think we should know about this? Or do you just go, nah, don't want to know, got the blinkers on, we're going to do it how it's always been done? Nah, definitely no blinkers on. Um, <laughs> I, I think as an industry, we've had blinkers on and that's understandable because, as I say, we are a competitive, you know, like everything just ha- happens so fast in our industry. Somebody decides that they need something and they need to get to that you know, and, and end line as soon as possible. Some may argue that that you know, whole design process, I don't want to offend any architects or anyone, but, but uh, <laughs> um, we work closely with them. <laughs> but but you know, like that, that process, you know, we, we, we lose some of that fat, I guess, in programs, you know, at the start because, um, you know, the pressure's not really on, but that pressure comes on in the back end. So, like, uh, as builders, I think, again, we've got a responsibility to look at, you know, what these lean and modern processes can be. And sometimes they're just simple things, you know, we're really thinking about where your site sheds are going to go. So, you know, you don't have 200 people over the duration of the day walking an extra 50 metres. And then, then we sort of we build a lot of aged care and retirement living where, you know, you are building, you know, 140 rooms that are all exactly the same. So we will build a prototype room within eight weeks of starting on the site so that everybody involved, when I say everybody, like the, the tradespeople, they get to, you know, build the frames, you know, do the mm. wiring, run the plumbing services so that they understand what it is, but then they're going to do it 140 times. So, you know, if they can save two hours by working through that prototype, then, you know, that's that's 280 hours, that man hours that they save. Craig, one of the things you're very good at is getting deeply involved in the community. Uh, a little birdie tells me you're very good at that, but also the, the Woolen brand is very good at that. And you only have to look at your website. There's projects around unearthing young musicians, the CEO cook-off, there's aged care events, something that I'm guessing is pretty close to your heart and something that you sort of encourage Woolhams nationally to do is that community involvement? It's something that Keith Woolham was big on and, and certainly I'm keen to carry that value through is, is you know supporting the communities where we benefit from working. And this morning, a uh, on the radio, there was a one of the stations got some people in and they needed a hand with their car and they replaced a windscreen and there was a lot of excitement and you know part of me and in fact I saw one of the, the people from the station and asked to connect with those people because uh, I mean straight up I was like what else can we do to help these people like yeah. they, they had been you know sort of homeless for a little while and and you know just replacing the windscreen um, didn't seem enough so so I, I guess that's one of the not frustrations, but the sadness is that there is so many people in regions and all organisations that, that need a hand and, you know, you wish you could help everyone. Uh, but certainly I'm proud to say Woolham does, you know, its bit where where we can. In running a business like Woolham's, Craig, what's your greatest frustration or is there something that you desperately love to, to get to market or get out there into the industry that you just, for some whatever reason, find it too difficult? There's always you know, something that's making it tough. And right now it is, you know, the availability of steel, you know, the prices of steel, the lack of resources. Um, you know, there's some pretty big projects, you know, happening in, in Brisbane at the moment. So I think it is just needing, you know, people to understand. And certainly my experience, you know, in 30-odd years of being in the industry, 
one thing that hasn't changed is that the margins have always been tight. You know, the, I don't know that there's necessarily, you know, anyone out there that's, you know, making the, the huge profits. So, you know, when we do talk about, you know, these issues with the price rises, like we're definitely not trying to profit from it. It's it's a case of as builders we're dealing with it. And, and I'm not just talking about Woolham, it's just something that's right across, the, it, you know, the, the, the whole industry. It's a massive threat to your industry at the moment, isn't it? Because the, with the cost of goods and, and, you know, the lack of goods available, as you say, the lack of steel, the lack of timber, the lack of almost everything, the, the lack of trades... Everyone's busy. Where's that going to end? It will end, and and and, and of we'll, course, you know, probably sort of see the other other side of it. But yeah, right now, who knows? Um, you know, right now, uh, I think there's builders in the uh, pretty much every space. I guess uh, just focusing on trying to lock in the supply. Let alone, you know, sort of what, what, how they're being knocked around with what they're paying for it. Um, because if you can't get it, you know, your problems are just going to get bigger. Does it make you think? As the managing director of Woolham's, that maybe we should have, we should or should have owned more of the value chain historically. Yeah, I would like to see that happen. You know, it'd be great. Um, you know, the more mm. we can produce and manufacture in a, in Australia, the better. Um, it's a big idea. It's, a, it's not uh, a cheap idea. No, no, but I mean, yeah, like there, there, there is. I guess, you know, some visionary people around, you know, recycling steel and, you know, sort of if we can recycle that steel and turn it into something here, you know, there's, there's lots of lots of wins around that. Yeah, look, again, it is, you know, working together and, yeah, just finding ways that we can, I guess, make things happen, you know, quicker. What's been your proudest moment, Craig? Proudest moment? Uh, there's been a few. Uh, building the, the mech in Mackay, uh, Keith Woolham, under his watch, um, we built the entertainment centre. That was 30 years prior. And then, then I guess the new brigade um, built the convention centre, which was connected to the entertainment centre. So, yeah, that was um, the opening night. They had Jimmy Barnes. It was just so, pr- you know, oh, much pride awesome. sitting in that convention centre with, you know, 10,000, 5,000, however many people, you yeah. know, Mackay that, that were there to, to experience. And, uh, um, but and just on a, on a personal note, um, you know, I've, I've been, you know, best man for, for a Woolham team member. Uh, um, you know, sadly, I've done a couple of eulogies. I wouldn't sort of mm-hmm. say they're proud moments, but the pride is, is just, you know, like the working, you know, with, you know, the Woolham team, it's more than just work. We're, we're all pretty good mates and, and a, a, you know, one big family, I guess. Um, and then that is demonstrated by, you know, when you get to you know the honour of doing those those things, mm. great story, Craig. It's not often I get. I don't think I've ever spoken to a business owner who's in charge of a business 138 years old. You're not 138 years old. I mean, you look much nah, younger than the that. Joke but, uh, bi- <laughs> the joke is my the joke is my business partner started the business, but uh, he didn't. He's a great guy. He's about my age, but uh, just looks a lot older. Yeah. Well, it's been an honour, mate. Thank you. Woolhamconstructions.com.au is where you can find a bit more about Craig and what his team are up to. And if you need a large, you know, skyscraper built in any part of Australia, I'm sure you'd be up for it. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, just uh, we're good people, and we need to work with good people. Good on you. Thanks a lot, Craig. Thanks, Tim. There you go, Woolham Construction's head honcho, Craig Percival. I told you he was a humble fellow. I do love his views around ensuring the business has solid ties to the communities in which they work and employ. Plus, Craig's belief that an established business like Woolham's has a deep responsibility to look after and grow those within his industry, the building and construction industry, is admirable. Again, if something grabbed your attention, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Maybe you got some feedback. Maybe you got a question. Maybe there's some marketing that's working for you. 
Leave a comment on the Small Business Big Marketing Hotline 0480-015-150. Stick that in your phone. Hope you enjoyed this third instalment of this series showcasing amazing businesses in regional Queensland. I'm loving bringing it to you. Next week, we head 340 kilometres south to the regional Queensland town of Rockhampton, where we are going to meet two just totally inspiring female entrepreneurs. One who's identified a gap in the market for women who ride motorbikes, the other who, following a double mastectomy, has launched a range of intimate apparel and swimwear for her fellow cancer survivors. My prediction, whilst both these businesses are in their early stages, both have the potential to go global and boy, oh boy, they are an exciting interview, both of them. If you do love the show and you want to learn more about marketing, I'd buy my book, The Boomerang Effect, over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. It'll show you how to create helpful marketing and gives you lots of case studies to follow. Call the hotline. I'm not going to give the number again. Hopefully by now it's in your phone, but I would love to hear from you and I will play your little voice message in an upcoming episode. So include your website address or business name. If you're loving the podcast, you'll find 568 more episodes on your favourite podcast app. And as has been the case for the past 12 years, this podcast was presented by moi, Timbo Reed. The music bed massaged to within an inch of its life by musician Lockie Dolly. And then the whole enchilada is smashed together by producer Romy Scher. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now.